This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. If there's any new information on the medical condition of Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, we will let you know. He's still obviously in the hospital being assisted with machines in terms of helping with his breathing in critical but stable condition. And how strange was yesterday as a sports fan? Because you had such contrast going on in the world of sports. You had Canada and Slovakia playing an instant classic. And at some point in the game, you knew it was an instant classic. The ending was classic. But in the middle of that, you had the scariest thing any of us have ever seen watching a football game when DeMar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest during Monday night football between the Bills and the Bengals. And the scariest part, I think, for a lot of people was the moment when they kept going to commercial break. And you could tell, like, Joe Buck and Aikman, they didn't really know what to do. No one knew what to do because no one's ever seen this before. But when you hear the words CPR is being performed on the field, that's like when, oh, my God, what is, what is going on right now? Yeah, it's just one of those nights in sports where you remember where you were yes. when it happened. 100%. Um, when I first saw that, it immediately reminded me of the Christian Eriksen incident yep. at the 2020-2021 Euros. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just like... And you, you said something really poignant before we jumped on here. And it was, what questions can we really ask today? Uh, what, what points can really be raised? Because to me, um, after you said that to me, there's not a lot else to talk about, really. There, there isn't, because... And this is going to sound weird. This is not a football story. Now, when it was happening last night, and you saw it on social media, and I don't blame it. Everyone on social media, the first thing you do is everyone says the same thing, which is thoughts and prayers to Tamar and his family. Of course. Then after that, I think what a lot of us did, and there was all these great stories about him as a human being and the toy drive, and that that was the only positive thing out of last night, this tiny, not even a sliver, a glimmer of a sliver of, po- of positivity was this, um, his charity, uh, his toy drive fundraiser, it had a goal of $2,500. Within an hour, it hit 500000 I think it's over $4 million now, and I remember like reading that to my girlfriend, I'm trying not to cry when we're talking about this. But in terms of story, this is just a human story. This is not a football story, and some people are going to want to make it a football story because people feel guilty about loving football. So then an injury like this happens, and and it's a natural reaction. You want to blame someone. Uh, let's Let's blame Goodell. Easy, easy target. Let's blame football. When... If and we don't have all the information, and, and the, all the information is being kept pretty tight-lipped, and it makes sense. But I was reading this cardiologist, uh, this doctor at the University of Maryland, who's talking about, quote, if you get hit in the chest, if it happens between heartbeats in a very small window, it can put the heart um, in the in the state where it stops beating. And if I 
stumble with my words is because there's a lot of big Latin words. I can't pronounce the small English words. Imagine how I'm going to do with the Latin words. But this is rare, if it is indeed what happened. And it, it looks like, but we'll find out. But where th- the incident that happened last night... Um, to Hamlin is something that happens. There's fewer than 30 cases reported every year. And that in a lot of cases, it is like it's happened in baseball. It's happened in lacrosse. It, it, it wasn't the most violent of hits between Hamlin and T. Higgins. No, it was it was a complete freak accident. And I saw another doctor talking about it. And he says, like, these are the kind of cases that we think we're only going to see in textbooks. Yeah. So, like you said, it's not a time to blame the NFL. No. It's not a time to blame football. Um, but it's I easy think, to do that. I understand oh, why people sure. are. I understand why people are doing it. I just, I, I don't. I just, I, I can't. It, 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 it seems like the easy target. And then, you know, then the other thing everyone's getting up about, and I get it, is wait a minute. Did the NFL want to have this game on? Um, we don't know. We don't have. I, I don't think we have one hundred percent confirmation no, that no. it was five minutes. Okay, guys, you got five minutes, and then go. And that, oh, it was the coaches that stood up to the NFL like it was a scene from Les Miserables. I, I can't even get angry at the NFL for, you know, just all the indecision. Because when you think about it, the best thing was, was there wasn't a rush of traffic of people leaving the stadium. Allow the first responders to get in there and do their job. And, and also what we saw yesterday was so scary and unique. I'm not surprised that they didn't have, boom, immediate action about what to do. And it was just, it was the NFL, but also in concert with the NFLPA, and then trying to get the information on the field. Yeah, there was, there, yeah. There was so many conflicting reports about it. Yeah. Um, you, can't, you can't come to a conclusion about it right now. No. And this story is obviously about Damar Hamlin, but I don't think the, the paramedic staff... The crew at the the crew at the stadium really could have handled this any better than they did, and it's not like they were heroes. Like, yeah, there's 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 no game plan for this kind of stuff. None. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just again, there's not much really. There's not really much else to say about about this. And I mean, um, we'll have Kaylin Kaler later on the show, and she put out a tweet saying um, Lisa Salter's appreciation tweet. And I know oh. you know a, a lot of the broadcast crew are not the victims here. You know, there's there's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more to be said about the players and the family and that kind of stuff, but um, ESPN was incredible, it, absolutely incredible. I I watched through the coverage, yeah, and just like the medical staff, there is no game plan for when that kind of thing happens. Yeah, e- e- ESPN was incredible. Uh, from Ryan Clark and Lisa Salters and Buck and Aikman and everyone, everyone did everyone did the best they could. And Joe Buck actually said, listen, I'm not the story. I'm not a hero. No one cares about me. And I thought Scott Van Pelt from ESPN brought up a good point. He's like, no, no, people do care because you've called thousands of games. You've been around when stretchers have been brought out and there's been concussions and injuries. So he, he can bring a perspective. But, but Owen, you said something there I liked. In the middle of it, like, we're not rushing to conclusions. Last night, everyone wanted to rush to conclusions. Football's to blame. Goodell's to blame. The NFL's evil. I didn't care about any of that. You know, I'm not jumping to any conclusions until all the information is out there. And even when all the information is out there, it's going to be hard for me to place any judgment or shame on any of these organizations. In the end, this was a horrible human tragedy, and the first responders and everyone did everything they could. Uh, by the way, the Bills and Bengals game has been, it's just, it, it, they're not playing it this week. There's not going to be Wednesday night football between the Bengals and the Bills. And there is real world football implications. We'll talk about it, you know, and... 
By the way, another thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do the thing where you go, well, this really puts things in perspective. I, I hate to play the old man card. I'm 47. I, I think I felt like I had the proper perspective. I understand that this is that games is 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 not life and death. You know that 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 these players they risk so much, and I've always known that. I've known that forever. I've been watching football since 1990. The moment it happened, my first thought was him. My second thought was was his family, and then that's actually the part of Twitter I liked. I got to learn more about about Demar Hamlin, the human being, through Twitter, through stories and videos, and some of his Instagram posts, and then that just made it all the more tragic. We will talk the football side of things, but when we talk about it, it's not like we're not always acknowledging the human element to this. For sure. And Ugh. like you said, there was, there was some great clips that came out on Twitter afterwards. And there was one that almost put me on the verge of tears. And it was about two or three weeks ago. And he talked about the value of life. And, yeah. you know, like, especially with, with all this football stuff that, you know, every snap you play or every game that you play um, might be your last. Yeah, and you know Oof. all this stuff about the, the the toy drive and his family, and there were some clips of him mic'd up with his teammates, and you know again, like like you said, it's not a football story; it's a human story, yeah, and it should be treated as such. Absolutely, and and we're going to treat that part as a as a human story. There's a football story as well, and we all know we. Do, I don't feel I need to say on the front end and the football side. It means so little compared. We know it. We all we all know it that that this and we learned this just seems like a very just wonderful young man with an, with a very bright future ahead of him, and we were you know root for nothing but the best and we, and we hope what happens here um, is what happened at 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 the Euros where uh, uh, Christian Eriksen where he also collapsed and could have died but you know CPR and then they and the, the first responders were there and and we hope the same thing happens that with Christian Erickson who collapsed during the game was treated on the field rushed to the hospital and they stabilized him and I, I believe he's playing soccer again now he is yeah he's yeah. Uh, he's playing a part with Manchester United and yeah playing for a big club and seems healthy and all the best yeah um okay uh, let's just let's just switch the you know what okay We'll we'll do like a football-y opening thought on the other side, but but let let's play uh, Ryan Clark. We'll, we'll do we'll do his two clips. Today's show is going to be weird and different. Um, there there won't be as much betting talk. Uh, you you kind of like the Leafs even on the even on the money line with no Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly playing for the Blues. And yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do so much awkward transition on this show today, from just the serious real life to to, to yammering about Victor Wembanyama. It's just going to happen. It, it's it's an apologies, but it's just going to happen. So let, let's hear from uh, from Ryan Clark. There's two clips. Uh, former Steeler safety with ESPN, who was fantastic last night, talking about Hamlin and the risks of football. Um, it's about a young man at 24 years old that was living his dream. That a few hours ago was getting ready to play the biggest game of his NFL career, and there's probably nowhere else in the world he wanted to be. And now. He fights for his life. And when DeMar Hamlin falls to the turf and when you see the medical staff rush to the field and both teams are on the field, you realize this isn't normal. You realize this isn't just football. And so many times in this game and in our job as well, we use the cliches, you know, I'm ready to die for this. I'm willing to give my life for this. It's, it's time to go to war. And I think sometimes we use those things so much, we forget that part of living this dream is putting your life at risk. 
And then a little bit later on, a story that Ryan Clark talked about when, you know, he wanted to come back and play after suffering a massive injury with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and, and he uses... The first couple seconds of this clip is really strong, talking about a, he, he had a team of doctors because he just wanted to get on the field so soon. But here's, here's Clark and, and, and how it relates with his relationship with former Steelers coach Mike Tomlin. We were going back to Denver, and I begged Coach Tomlin to let me play. I mean, begged. I put a team of doctors together. We're having this big meeting. My wife is there. We, we want to go play. And Coach Tomlin, maybe five minutes through the meeting, shuts everybody up and says, get out of my office. He was like, if this was my son... I wouldn't allow him to go play football. And I was relieved. I was as relieved as these players are that Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor said, you know what, we're not playing tonight. We understand what you're going through. Because we, this is all we've ever wanted to do. This is all DeMar Hamlin has ever wanted to do. This is the only job in his life he's ever worked for him for since the time he was in elementary. And he got to do it. Mm-hmm. And now we just wait and see. And again, if there's any medical updates, we'll let you know. On the other side, um, we just transition awkwardly back to sports. And, and there is a, a, a football story um, uh, from what happened in this last week and what could happen in week 18 that I find just wildly fascinating. When the old guard was ready to get pushed out and they're like, not so fast. I will explain that to you in a moment. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. Double or nothing. Done. Witness. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Did the greatest single individual fantasy performance happen last night in the NBA? I don't talk... A lot about fantasy basketball, yeah. but <laughs> what was that noise you just made? By the way, good afternoon. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Goss, <laughs> on TSN 1050. That is my very young and tall producer, Owen. Owen, what was that noise you just made? Just just a sigh of amazement. A sigh. I, don't, I don't know if that's a thing, but... I actually think Luca's sixty twenty game got more fantasy points. Oh, did it really? Okay, I think so. Okay, we should tell everyone what we're talking about. Is that Donovan Mitchell got seventy one points yes. last night? Cleveland beat the Bulls in overtime. And by the way, the Bulls led for most of the game. Yeah. And Demar Derozan had forty four points. I, I think part of it is the efficiency. Twenty two of thirty four. Insane. Is insane. But here's my favorite part. He still led all Cavaliers with 11 assists. Yep. See, yep. My, in my mind, the guy who scores 71 points in a game, that means someone else is feeding him the ball. I believe he was involved <laughs> with 100 points, either 99 or 100 points via points or assists. Yep. And Basketball Reference has this really cool system. and. Um, they call it a game score, and they basically combine yeah. a whole bunch of regular box-to-box and advanced stats to give you a game score. And Donovan Mitchell, by, by this game score metric, had the third best regular season game since 1983. Ooh. And Luka Doncic, what, about like a week ago at this point? Yeah. Had the fifth best game. So we, we just witnessed two top five regular season performances since 1983 
in the last, what, couple weeks or so. It's insane. And it should, it should of course, be uh, pointed out that, yes, it is easier to do this now. For sure. That, I mean, just it's part of the era, pace and space, uh, just the way the game is played. And So not I'm not taking anything away, just, you know, putting things in its proper perspective, but an incredible performance by him. And, and you were throwing out something you saw on Twitter. That yes. The, I don't know if you have the stat muse stat in front of you. I do. Okay, okay, read it out to the audience. It's a good one. So, Three players have scored over 70 points in the last, I think, what, decade or so. And yes, Devin Booker, it's Kobe Bryant, yeah. and it's it's and now look, Devin and, Booker's yeah. 70 point game is a whole other thing on his own. I think he was in his second or third year in the NBA, but yeah, um, all three of those players are shooting guards, you know, mm-hmm. scoring players, which is fine. Yep, all three picked at number 13th pick in the first round of the draft. Who said, who said number 13 was unlucky? Exactly. Yeah, my building. My, <laughs> by the way, I'm on the 13th floor. It goes, it goes 11, 12, and then penthouse. It's like, okay. Did you, were, you, were you able to get a deal on that place? Because I imagine some people were, might have been awarded off by that. If I told you what I paid for it at the time back in 2007, both you and... That would probably uh, make me sick. Yeah, that you guys are going to both... It's, it's the only advantage I have over the younger people. <laughs> you have youth on your side. All I have is... I had more reasonable real estate prices in the mid 2000s. Property and capital. Oh my! Not not not, not that, but not, oh not a small advantage there. By the way, happy birthday, Eli Manning and David Tyree, both born on the same day, but one year apart, 1981 mm-hmm. and 80, respectively. So uh, happy birthday to them! All right, just because today's show is weird, it's different. It's 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 not going to be as much betting. By the way, um, the show is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I got some of my favorite bets I like for the Leafs Blues game. Also, a little bit later, Owen is going to be looking at some futures, um, just because this is our first show of the new year and all of uh, the lines we found on FanDuel. But just after everything that happened last night, that Bills game, uh, today's show is a little bit weird. Uh, we'll do an abbreviated actual football-y opening thought. Time now for Matt's opening thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? And here we go. I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! It goes without saying, everything I'm about to say, I wrote before the Monday night game. And the reason is I was inspired by things that happened in week 17. And depending on what kind of person you are, you were either delighted or you were in a state of rage of what happened on Thursday and Sunday of week 17. Now, if you like chaos and change, you hated this past weekend. If you're more conservative, you like things the way they are, the way they used to be, then you love this past weekend. You see, a month or so ago, there was a real possibility that Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Bill Belichick were all going to miss the playoffs. The Patriots started the year 1-3. Their offense has stunk. The best moments from a quarterback was a guy named Bailey Zappi. Three weeks ago, the most embarrassing loss of the season to the Raiders. Chandler Jones pushing down Mac Jones. Jones on Jones crime. And scoring, you know, on that end-of-game fumble return. Now, after beating the Dolphins 23-21, they're in control of their own playoff destiny. And again, 
At, this is the point where I cut in from what I wrote. We have no idea what's going to happen next weekend. They're scheduled to face the Buffalo Bills. I have no idea what to expect in that game. I, I even feel a little bit gross speculating about it. But we'll see. There's a chance they make the playoffs. And the Pats, They, of course, they did it their way against Miami. Not much offense. Defense forced two turnovers. Kyle Duggar with an interception return touchdown. Fewer penalties than Miami. They got lucky. Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. And here we are. Next up is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They've been three and five, six and eight. Ugly overtime win over Arizona on Christmas. I'm, I'm hoping none of you watched a second of that game. And they were down 14 nothing late in the first half against Carolina. The jokes are coming in. The usual will Tom Brady retire rhetoric was getting louder and louder. Uh, but, of course, we know what happened next. Brady hit Mike Evans on a 63-yard touchdown. Evans had, like, 200 yards and three touchdowns. Bucks had scored the Panthers 30-10. to Brady had 432 yards and three touchdowns. A sneak touchdown. No picks. No interceptions. They win. They clinch the horrible NFC South. Brady's going to break his own record for completions. And, yeah, we all know Tampa doesn't deserve to be here. They got lucky. Lousy division. But you got to credit Tom Brady. Uh, you know, third time in the last five games, Brady was down by double digits in the fourth quarter, and they came back to win. That's crazy. Finally, there's Captain Happy, Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers. They're in control of their playoff destiny. They beat the Lions. Oh, excuse me. If they beat the Lions next week, they're in. No NFL player was more miserable than Rodgers. No quarterback threw his teammates under the bus more than Rodgers. There was no joy in Green Bay. Team was 3-6, and 4-8. and eight. Now they've won four in a row. Winning by an average score of just under two touchdowns. They embarrassed Kirk Cousins, who had three interceptions. They embarrassed the Vikings, 41-17. Three old playoff mainstays were at various points left for dead. Now one is in, and the other two control their own fate. So how are you feeling about this? The, the establishment refusing to go away. I bet if you're younger, more progressive, you're at least a little bummed out. And it's the original. That's kind of what I was rooting for. My God, I'm done with it. I'm done with you, the old establishment. Give me the new stuff. Let's blow it all up. Give me chaos. Give me new. But then I thought, just what would the alternative be? The Pats are out. Am I getting a slumping Miami team with Teddy Bridgewater, Skylar Thompson? Oof. I don't want to see Tua again this year. If he plays, every time he gets hit, we'll be scared. In the NFC, do you want Carolina over Tampa? Yes, it would be funny in the moment. It'd be hilarious. But then you got Sam Darnold? Nope. You want Rodgers out? I get it. He ain't the most likable player. But then what do we got? Jared Goff and Dan Campbell? That sounds great, but when they're down by 30 to the 49ers, you're not going to be thrilled. Same goes for Seattle. Geno Smith, Pete Carroll. They were the best story in the first half. They've gone 2-5 and five in their last seven. You don't want to see them. So in the end, I rejoice what is going on. I'm, I'm not ready to say goodbye to these legends who have dominated the game for the last two decades. They're that favorite old blanket. They're that great tune on the radio you, you, that you loved in high school that suddenly comes on. They're Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise. You know, uh, their movies come on. You can't turn it off when it comes on cable. You remember cable. Yes, we want new. We want youth. We want cutting edge. But for now, give me the good old days because they're still good enough to beat most challengers. And that is my opening thought. I'm finished. I remember a week and a half ago going, Belichick, Rogers, Brady, all not in the playoffs. And now there's a very good chance we're going to see all three of them in there. 
The more things change, the more things stay the same. Yeah, you happy about that, Owen? Did you want him in? Did you want him out? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm on. I'm on the Trevor Lawrence's, Justin mm. Herberts of the world, but I'll. I'll I'll leave those guys to you. Oh, thank God. Thank God we got Trevor Lawrence. I am so rooting for the Jags to beat the Titans. I am too. Oh, am my too. God. I need Trevor Lawrence to be great. I need Justin Herbert to be great and then still fire Brendan Staley. All right. Uh, on the other side, Dave Feschuk is going to be joining the show. And I'm curious because they chatted about it a little bit on the morning show. But how different do you think the, the goals are for Masai Ujiri versus Nick Nurse? We'll get into that on the other side. I'm Matthew Cause. This is Gameplay. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. First show of the new year. And apologies uh, to FanDuel. But we're we're going to get into some betting stuff a little bit later. But today's show, obviously, is just very different with everything that happened to Damar Hamlin. And we'll get into that in a bit with my next guest, uh, Dave Festchuk. But, Dave, we were talking. Dave Festchuk from the Toronto Star in studio. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Mr. Cos. Happy 2023 to you. Yeah, yeah. Busy man. You're all over the place this station this day. Um, and I always love having you on because, like, you're a Swiss Army knife. We can go anywhere with you. We were talking about the fact that um, what time did you go to bed on December thirty first? What time did you make it? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ballpark it at about ten oh five. Ten oh five p.m. Ten oh five. Okay, yeah, which is ten, late for me. Yeah, that's so, a late night for me. There is three phases I find as a human being um, when you hit a certain age. Phase one, you hit midnight, and then you go to like four in the morning. Oh yeah, I had those days. I've had those days. I've had those days. Step uh, the next level is I'm gonna make it to midnight. And then soon after that, I don't need to be a hero. I can go to bed. Right. I'm very close to there. Okay. And then there's phase three, which is the phase you're in right now, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I like. Yeah. I used to. I've had many fun New Year's Eves. I'm not like a. I'm not one of these people that says New Year's Eve is for amateur partiers. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun night. It's a fun night if you if you have good things to do and you sound like. Go to the Rock, to St. John's, Newfoundland, oh. one of my favorite places in the world. That sounded like a great thing to do. A fireworks at Kitty Vitty Lake, oh, uh, yeah. George Street, got screeched in, kissed nice. a cod, had the screech, did it all. Yeah. It needs to be said. Like the stereotype, oh, they're nicer there than they are here. It's true. It's 100%. Oh, my true. God. Yes. I, oh, we the guy who, uh, a, a, after we watched fireworks, we're in the middle of a field, me and my girlfriend and a friend. Yeah. And we didn't know, we had to get back to George Street, which was ages away. Some um, volunteer security guard said, get my, get my car, I'll drive you there. That's awesome. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. we just wanted to hug this man. I remember, remember the, I was out there, the last time I was out there, sadly, I'd love to get back out there anytime I got a reason to. Last time I was out there was LeBron's rookie year. The Raptors played the Cavs in a preseason game. Okay? Yeah. So I should say, we're supposed to play the Cavs in a preseason game at the rink where, you know, the mile one rink or whatever it was where the, at the time the Maple Leafs farm team played out there. And they're warming up for the game. Yeah. And sadly, for the fans of Newfoundland, they start seeing this condensation <sighs> up from the floor. And the floor, I was sitting right by it back in those days. The media had great seats. It was absolutely, it was, it was a puddle. Like, yeah. There were puddles everywhere. And it's like the chosen one, LeBron James, is down the other end going, I'm not starting my career on this stuff. Like, and so they never played the game. They, 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 LeBron James was in the building. He stayed in Newfoundland the night before. I remember running into him in the elevator of the hotel. Yeah. The media and the, and, the, and the players were staying at the same hotel. They never played the game. And I remember Richard Petty, who was the CEO of uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment at the time, said, well, 
you know, they kind of they kind of did it backhanded. Uh, like the players left before they told the fans the players weren't going to play, uh, and it was a bit it was a bit ugly. It was a bit big city, like we're getting the hell out of here. Yeah, and I remember Richard Petty saying, "Well, we were worried there might be a riot because there had been a riot in Montreal." And I, and I remember there's the, not going to be a yeah, riot there. Get out of here! And I remember the director of security, who's long past this, a uh, wonderful guy uh, with the Raptors, said, "What were they going to riot with? Their fish hooks?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way there's going to nice be a riot. People, they weren't going to be. A, there's never going to be a riot. In, I mean, maybe there has been a riot in St. John's, Newfoundland, but I doubt there will be anytime soon. But anyway, wonderful people. Yes. I still think the Raptors owe them. They always said they were going to go back there. They never. They haven't uh, gone back. They yeah, should. Yeah. Raptors, get back over there. Yeah, it's fantastic. They really owe them that one. They do. They do. Oh my God, I loved it. I wish I was there now. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's stick with the Raptors for a second. And how different do you think are the goals bes- between? Uh, that Masai Ujiri has, like whatever Masai Ujiri's goals are for the remainder of this year and yeah. going forward, how different is his versus Nick Nurse? Because yeah. on one end, Masai Ujiri, general manager, your job is to look at what you're doing this year, but what is the next two, three, four, five years playing for what? Meanwhile, exactly. the head coach, everyone is playing 40 minutes, and the bench got outscored by like 50 as the Raptors lose to the Pacers. Yeah, that's a great point. That's the inherent tension that is this season in Raptorland, right? And, and look, there's always that tension between management of course. and coaching staff. Right? You need that, that. You need some healthy back and you forth. You need a healthy back and forth. But, you know, the, the problem here is, to your point about, you know, and Nick Nurse was talking about it to the media today. I zipped into Raptors practice before I came up here. You know, he was talking about how, look, we, we, we need these guys, but... You know, they, they, and they need to be better, which they do. But the flip side of that, if you're in management, is... You also need to play him, coach. Yeah. And Nick Nurse probably has, if not the shortest level of patience with his bench, that it's up there among the shortest. Oh, yeah. The shortest leash. It's full Thibodeau. Leash. Like, yeah. he's, just, he's just nicer Tom Thibodeau is, is. is kind of what Nick Nurse is. Slightly less grumpy yeah. Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, and that's fair. Like, I understand. That's the tension because Nick Nurse needs to win every night. He's got a sub-500 team that's, you know, playing for what? They, they may not make the play-in if they keep going the way they're going. Um and so that is a problem, right? And and the goals, the goals for the franchise clearly. When you start breaking this season down, cause like what's the ceiling here? Like what? Like why wouldn't you maybe be benefiting from going backwards? Because what's the route forward with this team? Have we not seen maybe this team at its best? And and look, they gave us some tantalizing glimpses of promise at times, like last year, forty-eight wins, forty-eight wins, and took. You know, the Sixers to six games and maybe could have gone a little further if Fred Van Vliet hadn't been hurt. Mm-hmm. But therein lies the problem. Fred Van Vliet got hurt. Guess what? Fred Van Vliet's hurt this season, too. After a season in which Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet were 1-2 in minutes per game last year, you got three guys in the top eight in minutes per game this year on the Raptors. Yeah. You add OG Ananobi into that list. And I would argue, look, this is, this is an era of player preservation. And the Raptors are running these guys into the ground. Part of me loves it. It feels like it's the mid-90s all over again. Bill Clinton's president. I love it, too. I mean, look, I love the idea that, hey, Michael Jordan played 82. Why can't these guys? Michael Jordan played every minute he could. You know, Will Chamberlain once averaged more than 48 minutes a game because he played every minute. Plus, he played overtimes. I mean, I get it. I get all those things. But... The trend is going the other way. It is. Where teams are taking care of their star players, and they're playing them less and less in the regular season. But the Raptors, because of the holes in the roster, and Nick Nurse would counter this, I'm sure, and I'm sure he does very forcefully in in arguments with the management, 
and conversations. Less, they're not arguing, cause they're, they're conversing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's saying to them, look, I, got, I don't have any rim protection. So if we don't play up on the ball with intensity, if we don't trap, if we don't, if we don't play our butts off, which is why I keep saying play harder, play harder, we can't win. And, and I don't, we don't penetrate enough. We don't shoot it well enough. Our only chance to win is to run these guys into the ground. And that's exactly what he's doing. And it's us. And you know what? And they were doing that a lot last year as well. Like it's the exact same team. Like every, I always make notes for every Raptors game. And so many of the wins, I always just write classic Raptors win. They had 14 more field goal attempts. They forced that many more turnovers. Like, and you just, and that is all hustle, hustle, hustle. And maybe, because my follow up question again, joined by Dave Feschak from the Toronto Star, is this team technically should be better than last year's team. Yeah. You know, the, uh, and, and I know they've had some injuries. Every team has injuries. But I tell you, on this day, on January, was it third, fourth? What are we got here? That's the third. Um, that the Pacers are the team that's four games over 500, and the Raptors are the team that's five games under 500. If I had told you that before the season begun, you would have been shocked. And then it goes to the question wh- why is this team so further down from last year? Part of it is obviously injuries, but maybe part of it is that style that got them 48 games last year. Maybe it's they're finally paying the piper this year. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Like, if you're Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, you're sitting there going, wait a second, where is our internal improvement? Yes. Who, who on this roster has improved? I'd say Siakam. I think Siakam yeah. is even better this He's year than last year. Bit, for sure. Um, I think OG Ananobi. But yeah. I think Van Vliet, massive step back. Yes. I think Injury related. Injury related. Back injury related. Scotty Barnes, step back. Massive step back. Massive step back. Um, Precious Achua, Chris Boucher, yeah. you know, all you know, all the other guys are just taking are, are taking a step back. Yeah. I just I am stunned that the Raptors record is this bad. I am Same stunned here. by that. Well, ex- exactly. And I mean who would have you know, who would have thought that Delano Banton would go nowhere with this team after the promising mm-hmm. start he had last year. Boucher. Who, who would, yeah, well, Chris Boucher, he's had these wild, wild swings. Yeah, okay, fair point. A very effective player to being, like, it was around this time last year when I remember having conversations with people around that team that was like, this guy might get cut. Mm-hmm. They may just wave this guy and be done with him. And then he had this incredible resurgence and became a very respectable player again. And he started out the season like that same player who brought energy and shooting and, and all those things, and now he's gone into the, the toilet again where he, he doesn't seem to understand his role and, and just doesn't seem to want to, you know, or, or want or know how to kind of regain that spark. But, but I would trust that he'll get that back. Yeah. You know, I think Boucher's that kind of guy. But, but you're right. Like, it, it's, you know, Precious Atua obviously would help if he'd be healthy. Today, uh, Nick Nurse said there's been no progress with Otto Porter Jr., who they brought in fairly to address some of the fact they can't shoot they can't shoot yeah but they're near the bottom of the league yet again in every shooting category you can imagine that matters including three-point shooting which is so important nowadays so yeah for for all those when you stack all that stuff up if you're messiah jerry and bobby webster you're like man like we thought this team would be a lot better they they assumed this team would be much better to your point would be much further ahead than it was last year they thought 48 wins and we can build on that instead it's gone 48 wins and we're trending toward 40 it's not a good situation for anybody, and and I do think that they're going to have to have, start having the conversation about maybe just saying, look, shut Fred Van Vliet down, trade Gary Trent Jr. at the deadline, 
Uh, it's going to be set. The problem but with they, that is, they, 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 listen. There is that is. If you try to tank, that is an insult to the yeah. horrible work done by Houston and San Antonio <laughs> and right. Charlotte. Right. Like I'm sorry. Like like if you're the Raptors and you're trying to tank, Charlotte right now is looking at you, going, <laughs> exactly. amateur. And like that's the problem. It's like the, the the Pistons have already told Cade Cunningham, "We'll see you next year." Exactly. You know, there, there's no way the Raptors are going to be a bottom four team. It's not happening. Yeah. The other teams are truly horrible. The Raptors, as much as we limit, limit to complain, they're, they're too good to get in that bottom four. You're probably not going to The bottom four is the key. You're right. Yeah. Everybody's got the same chance at the bottom four of Victor Wembayana, which is important. But look, I mean, if you can get you know a little deeper into the, like, you know, they were, what were they, sixth worst when they got Scotty or whatever it was. They were somewhere in fourth, that. Fourth, fourth, fourth worst. Fourth, yeah, they worst, were fourth yeah. worst when they yeah. got Scotty. They were way worse. They, now, the odds have changed, but they, they only had like an 8.8% chance of getting the number one pick when they got Bargnani, right? So yeah. They, it, it, it's a lot of different, but the, but the difference is the Andrea Bargnani year. He's like, <laughs> let's think of a lucky. No, year. I get it. Andrea Bargnani versus Victor Wembanyama. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing that NHL GMs are doing after watching last night's uh, World Juniors. Right. You know, like Connor Bedard. Like as, as I, I joke, I've been joking a ton that very soon um, Johnny Goudreau is going to have upper thigh soreness, of which there is no known cure for, <laughs> and he'll be out for three to four months exactly. for just a, the, the cost of a cup of coffee a day. You can help to fund medical research for this this horrible. <laughs> horrible. Po- yeah. Horrible plague. Yeah, of that, upper thigh soreness. Yes. Yeah, and that's the problem is that like these other teams, you know, the Barniani year, it's like ah, oh, great, we can get number one. This year, it's like you got to go get number yeah. one. No, it's very tough to get it. And look, I'm, the, the bottom line is, it doesn't matter if you get number one. The idea is you just you just maximize your chance of getting something better than yeah. what you would get if you just stayed in the mushy middle, right? Which is the worst place to be in this league. And this, hey, if you've been around long enough in this town, you know what it's like to have the Raptors in the mushy middle. Yes. Well, you know they're not good enough to contend. But they're also not good enough to get those high picks. And so you just kind of you, you vacillate between, oh, we might make the playoffs, or we might go around between, oh, we might miss the playoffs, oh, we're not good enough. And that can go on for an awfully long time if you don't have strong direction from upper management, right? So, yeah. And I do think one thing about Messiah is, you know, he doesn't like the mushy metal. We know that. No, no, no. He, he absolutely hates it. But that, that's kind of where the Raptors are. Um, we're out of time because then I'd like to get in the fil- maybe another time. The fil- to me, the Raptors come down to one philosophical question: is how much will it improve OG Ananobi and and Scotty Barnes? where they're trying to go for it and get into the top six. What does it mean if they do that in 2023 in terms of their development as players in 2025? Look, I agree with that completely. That's a great, great point, Cause The other factor that I would throw into that is, guess what? Mm. You tank. What does that say to your best player? Because Pascal Siakam, it's very clear what he's going for. He's trying to win games because he's a winner. He's also looking at if he can get into the All-NBA top 15 – he can get a Supermax contract. And it's hard to imagine he's going to get those All-NBA votes if they are you know, 10, 15 games below 500. It's a good point. And uh, I was doing the game for uh, for 1050, the Raptors-Grizz game, right before the, at the end of the year. And the Raptors getting pushed around. And there was one guy who was just refused, yeah. was, was, uh, was Siakam. He's trying. He's trying. That is Dave Festchuk from the Toronto Star. Go out and buy a copy of the newspaper. Whenever I go visit my dad, the first thing I do is I grab his copy of the Toronto Star and I start going through the whole section. Always a delight. Dave, we'll be hearing you on Overdrive. Yes, indeed. And All let right. your dad read the paper first. He's a great. He will. He was a great sports writer. Yes, one of the legends of the business. Hell yeah. Cause, <laughs> and it's great to be mentioned uh, in the same sentence as somebody who wrote for the Star because he wrote for the Star better than anybody. 
Thank you so much. That is Dave Feschuk. You'll hear him after 4 o'clock. Coming up next, just because of the craziness of what the last 24 hours have been, we'll, we'll touch on what we saw last night in the World Juniors, an absolute classic. Coming up next right here on Gameplay. everyone this is gameplay brought to you by FanDuel bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel sportsbook app a reminder the uh, I don't even know who the last person standing is okay there's for the first up football survivor pool and uh, for anyone who is still alive I think there's like four of them really I just want to give a shout out to whoever's the last person standing they get that free set of of Rodex tires along with installation it's your local Cal tire as well as 2500 bucks in cash um, and they're going to randomly give away one more set of tires to a lucky winner first up football survivor pool on now at tsn1050.ca if you were betting on Canada Canada and Slovakia yesterday. I think Canada was favored by three or four and a half. And I'm glad I didn't bet on that game because four, three overtime win. And it, it was incredible. I can't wait. By the way, the semifinals against the United States, Wednesday, six o'clock right here on TSN 1050. Owen, oh, did you have that moment when you're like, oh, no. They're going to lose. This this uh, guy in, this goalie, you know, was incredible. And Canada hit like five posts in the third. It sort of felt like we were getting set up for one of those moments where Canada was going to, not only was Canada going to lose, but she almost couldn't get angry about it. Oh, for sure. Um, I said to my sister, I was watching with my sister, and I said, like, there's a Slovak goal coming. Yeah. It's coming. Before yeah. I get into that, though. I felt like that line was extremely disrespectful to the Slovaks. Yeah. Based on how they're playing in the tournament, their previous results, um, the scouting that went into it. Like, um, but they're, we saw- they're a great team. Like that, that is an accomplishment in itself for them yeah. to have that sort of game, to be involved in a classic like that. I felt so bad for those kids they afterwards. Were so gassed. They, they were, were so gassed. The moment Bedard scored, and by the way... <laughs> My God! What an incredible goal! It's an like, all-timer. It's it an all-timer. is. It, like he like deked out at least three players, then fooled the goalie, a guy who was incredible. And the moment he did, like just the goalie was just lying on the ground, yep. and some of the other players just immediately collapsed, and they were in tears, and they were in tears when they were you know being celebrated or whoever that player was who got the the player of the game for the the Slovakian side of things. Mm-hmm. And and I don't blame them. I mean, they were so close to this massive upset. So credit to them. Um, but yeah, at some points, it just it felt like it's going to be one of those nights. Yeah, it was, it was feeling inevitable at some points. But like I said, they looked so incredibly gassed. And right before on that play, on that Bedard goal, the Slovaks actually had a chance to clear the puck and didn't have that much pressure on them. There wasn't, yeah. there, there wasn't a ton of forecheck, obviously, because it is three on three. But... They had a chance to clear the puck, not a lot of pressure, and they couldn't do it. And as soon as that happened, I said, like, man, you got to clear that. And Connor Bedard's poise, <laughs> his swagger, like, it, it kind of reminds me of, at least from my perspective, when Connor McDavid, like, jumped a level in the NHL, I feel like he gained a little bit of swagger, um, you know, just like his turned into the player that he really, really wants to be um, and an approach that he really wants to have. And I feel like, Connor Bedard has that swagger right now. Oh yeah, like and he's—you could tell—he's so used to guys trying to chip at him after the whistle. Like there were so many cross checks, and that and that last that that cross check late in the third was so incredibly unnecessary. But they were doing it the whole game. 
Like, it's the game after line. every whistle. It's the game. And he's 17 years old. Yeah, yeah he is crazy. 17 years old. It makes it, it makes me feel old. Like, yeah, that's, good, that's, good. <laughs> Deal with it. 17 years ago, um, it. <laughs> Like, put it this way. If he gets drafted, it'll be ye- If he gets drafted by Columbus, good job, Johnny Goudreau. If he gets drafted yeah. by Columbus, it's going to be like four years before he can legally drink in the state of Ohio. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's nuts. And, but the great thing about that game last night, and I was saying that a lot of the tournament, the focus was just on Bedard, but from an NHL perspective of, oh my God, this guy's good. Let's look at the draft. Let's look at the draft rankings. Because, you know, Canada's destroying teams. Of course, it didn't start out that way. But last night, it was about Bedard, but about Bedard in the context of the World Juniors, of what he did on the ice and the opponent in front of him. Like, what, what, what I've enjoyed about the World Juniors is, uh, we've seen some upsets, was that game, and now the game against the States. It's not going to be about Bob McKenzie's draft rankings. It's not going to be about what happens then. It's about what's happening on the ice. Uh, just a, a hell of a game. Um, Milich, 24 saves. And just in overtime, incredible. Like, he, he had that incredible save, uh, two point-blank saves on, uh, I'm, I'm going to, on, on Petrowski, I'm Trotsky, Petrowski, I'm going to mispronounce You got it, you got it. Eh, it was close enough. Uh, but Milich was incredible and um, good for Canada and almost just as, as much good for Slovakia. We got about a minute before we go to break. Just going over the Leafs for a second. No Ryan O'Reilly, who, if you just look at the stats, is not having a great year. But second in minutes among centers. Uh, Tarasenko, third on the team in scoring. Both of them are on the injured reserve. Um, the Leafs are minus 285. I, I feel like if you're betting this game, you got to take Leafs on the puck line at minus, uh, you know, to win by more than a goal at minus 110. Like, I, if you're going to bet the Leafs, it feels like you got to take the Leafs by more than one tonight. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, who do I like? Is there anyone you like in terms of player props? Um, the, the Nylander over three and a half shots mm-hmm. at uh, basically plus 100, so it's basically even money. He's cleared that nine of his last 12. Uh, the month of December, he's averaging more minutes per night than in any other month in his career. St. Louis on the road, um, you know, they allow a lot of shots. They're like in the bottom five or six in terms of shots allowed. So I, I, I like Nylander and his shot total. Yeah, I like Nylander anytime goal. Um, either way, um, shot, shot props for NHL are great. I normally stay away from the any time or first goal stuff, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know, something, something about Willie tonight. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of like the Nylander and the over-under of six goals. The last time these teams played, there was nine, and, uh, and, and Murray was great in his last start against Colorado, but after that, you know, he's been good, not great in a couple of those starts. So it all evens out. It all evens, it all evens out. out. So I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards uh, the over as well, and uh, you can find all these lines and numbers at FanDuel. On the other side, uh, a big fan uh, of Kaylin Kaler is going to join a senior NFL writer with The Athletic. She does some really cool stuff, and she actually just a little while ago wrote a piece all about the Buffalo Bills, so we'll get her perspective on what happened last night in the scariest thing any of us have ever seen uh, watching uh, the NFL. That's coming up next right here on Gameplay. This hour of Gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app.